Thank you for joining us. You are listening to a podcast from Bright City Church. For more information, visit our website, www.brightcitychurchuk.com or find us on social media at Bright City Church UK. Welcome to Word Up on Bright City Church. Uh, it's lovely to have you with us, those of you joining us. Hi, Dee. Thank you for saying hello. And um, it's great to have Pastor Akin and Ben with us, uh, the three of us together. It's good to see you, gents. And, hey. uh, good to be together again, isn't it? It's the first time for a, a while, I think. Uh, yes. You know, since well, well before Christmas that the three of us have managed to get on together. So... Uh, I'm really pleased about that. How how are you both doing? Good, good. Yeah, busy as always, but um, here tonight, which is good. Great stuff, great. So, how yes, awesome. Great, great, great to be here. Great to be back. And um, it's a, uh, as it says in verse three of chapter one, it's a blessing to be looking into this uh, book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yes. It says, blessed is the one who reads this prophecy and blessed are those who hear it. So you're in for a blessing tonight. That's the promise <laughs> of God as we hear the word of God. And we're in for a special blessing as we read it out. And uh, fantastic. Right. Well, last week we started, uh, this is week three, in fact. So we had the introduction. We had the second week we began on chapter one. I think that was the uh, that was the episode I pushed through by myself on that one, but uh, hope it wasn't too boring. Ben did say he was falling asleep as he listened to it, but I hope that was because he was on a night shift. Yes, and, yeah. <laughs> and, I did yeah. finish off. I did finish off and listen. Yeah. but now we we got to verse ten, and so we're going to pick up on that. We saw in verse, uh, sorry, chapter one, we saw that John you know, is is on the island of Patmos where we know he's been exiled as part of the persecution and punishment by the Romans. So it seems like for preaching the word of God, etc., and maybe his position as a leader in the church. What else did we see in that in that first chapter? Uh, yeah, so he was in that place. And uh, then we're picking it up verse 10. I'm going to, to read from verse 10 through to chapter 2 and about verse 8 or so. So here we go. Revelation chapter 1 verse 10. On the Lord's day I was in the spirit and I heard behind me, this is John speaking, I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet which said write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia and Laodicea. I turned round to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was what was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. His head and hair were like white, were white like wool, as white as the snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars and out of his mouth came a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sh sun shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. 
I am the living one. I was dead and behold, I am alive forever and ever. I hold the keys of death and Hades. Write therefore what you have seen, what is now and what will take place later. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Chapter 2 verse 1. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and, then, and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favour. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. We're picking up from verse 10 anyway. On the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit and I heard behind me a, a loud voice like the trumpet. So it's the Lord's day. We can we can assume it, it was in, on the Sabbath day and um, he was in the spirit, John, in prayer with the Lord. And then he has this um, vision and hears a voice and he turns around and, and he hears things. Who, who wants to pick up first on and anything as a kind of uh, introductory thoughts or anything you want to say before we carry well, on? Well, I've got some uh, a reflection of... Um... When he says I was in the spirit, I thought that was really interesting. I thought, well, what does that mean? Yeah, what does yeah. it mean to be in the spirit? Mm. It's almost like when these uh, prophets and, and apostles they have these visions, they're almost transported beyond their normal senses, as uh, as what I was reading in some of the commentaries. It's like their senses get Holy Spirit empowered to kind of perceive from God. Although he's standing there on the island of Patmos, he's seeing. It's like the veil has been kind of torn away and he's been transported and he, he sees into heaven and you, you get the same kind of thing like with Ezekiel when Ezekiel had his vision it's almost like the veil of reality is and time and space is pulled back and he he sees God uh, and Jesus for how they really appear and this this seems to be you know what happens when the, these visions and, the, and these these things happen certainly um you know this is john having the vision but the same thing happens to peter in acts when he saw the vision of the the unclean animals paul had had a load of visions i was i was quite astounded when i went through acts there's like five or six visions that, that god gave to paul as he went along and it's amazing uh, that god does that to people who you know maybe are in real crisis and you see it in the Old Testament when he, he shows one of the uh, servants of the prophets that they're not, that even though they're surrounded by an earthly army, it kind of the, the veil of reality gets pulled back and he sees the angelic army around them. And it's the same kind of thing, you know, God reveals um, things in, in, in yeah. visions. And 
in the spirit, you know. Yes, yes, great. But it's really worth looking at Paul's. Uh, yeah. There's Thanks. some amazing. And amazing. and when you think how humble Paul was, he would never draw attention to himself. They're just the ones that we he heard about. I mean, you know, mm. how many times did he have these encounters? When you're saying that, Ben, it, it reminded me of he said he was taken up, was it to the third heaven, and saw things yeah. that he was so amazing that he couldn't share them. And he was even... Um, you know, it seemed like God didn't give him permission to share them. There was so, yeah. you know, so yeah, it's, there's, I think, taking, go on, Ben. Go on, sorry, sorry, I could jump in there. Uh, modern day, I've, I remember reading Smith Wigglesworth, you know, the guy Smith Wigglesworth, the apostle of faith, who saw the healings and everything. There's a, one of his commentaries where he he's praying for someone in a room and he he describes how he, he leaves the room and, and he's before the throne of God. And that that kind of parallel to what you know, we, this really that you can get to a state in prayer where you are, you know, you, you're almost, you know, the veil of reality is, is pulled back, and you, you know, you're before the throne of God. And I, you know, sometimes in worship, in my mind's eye, uh, when we're worshiping before the throne, I get that that thing that's in Hebrews where it says it's not just us at Bright City worshiping, but it's you know all of the people that have, have passed along. All of the all of the churches of the ages, all the churches of the world are before the throne in that moment, and you can really, you know, if you meditate and you get in your mind's eye that kind of reality, which is is reality, really. You know, you can you can almost be in the spirit, if you like, as what John kind of says there. Yeah, fantastic. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Did you understand yes. anything, Pastor Yes, just picking up on what Ben's saying about, you know, in terms of, of prayer, you know, being a prayer in the, in, in the spirit. And, um, yes. you know, it's, it's just like likening how, because I guess it, it, in some respects, if we, when we're looking at this, I think this, this book in itself is, is, is amazing in the sense that in the introduction, it, it's all about Jesus Christ being revealed. So yeah. it kind of like that takes away the, the mystery of the book. And so it's something that everyone who, um, desires to know Jesus more, wants to be blessed, as, as you read in verse 3 there, sorry, uh, yes, verse 3, that we can, um, we should, uh, this is the book that we should embrace and not one that we should shy away from. And right at, at the beginning here, you know, this encouragement that even from John's life, when he says he was in the spirit, and, it, I, and I think it's a bit like, you know, trying to bring it down to, you know, our everyday experience. It's a bit like you, sometimes you could be in a, rook, a room and you're focusing on something. So you're reading a book, for example, and um, people might be talking, having a conversation around you, but you're so focused on the book that you, you're not actually hearing what other people are saying. Yeah. And then they might have to actually, you know, say to you, hey, hey, you listen or tap you or something. And it's not that you're, you're there with them, but it's just that you're so focused on the book that you, you're not actually listening to what they're saying. And, you know, and we've been talking about this in terms of waiting on the Lord and in praying that we disconnect from all the distractions that are around us and we just go away uh, to be with the Lord and, and just seek him. And in those times, just like Ben was talking about in the worship, when the, the times of worship, when he has that sense that, you know, there it's not just him worshiping, it's not just us in bright city that are worshiping, but there are other saints worshiping. It's that same way, I believe, that when we're so focused on the Lord, you know, when we're disconnected from our everyday distractions in life, that we can be in the spirit as well, where we can be receiving things from God. So while they might necessarily be on the same, um, if you like, level that we're talking about here with John and with Paul, we can still receive things from God in, in those times, you know. So I think it's, it's really, really encouraging that being in, in the spirit shouldn't be something that's mystical, but it's just about focusing on the Lord and making time for him and making room for him. And in those times, then he will begin to reveal things 
uh, to us as well, things about himself, things about us and the things that he wants us to do. So I think being in the spirit, it's, it's, it's a good place to be. Absolutely. Yeah, it's thank you. You know, what a great um, invitation to all of us. You know, the door is open and, and we can be in the spirit. It may it may reminded me of that. You know, I pray that the eyes of your mind and heart would be enlightened and open that you would know him better. I think, you know, there's no there's no kind of limitation to God will reveal as much as we want to to see in in a sense. But anyway, we better move on. But it is a great <laughs> encouragement. Thanks, Ben. Yeah, in the spirit. So he hears this voice like a trumpet and he says, write down what you see, the voice says, to the seven churches. And the seven churches are named uh, Ephesus, Smyrna, and Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia and Laodicea. It says these are the churches in the province of Asia. Now, that was a Roman province called Asia. It's not the Asia, you know, the big Asia that we know of today that we think of in our history books. But it's a, a part of, if you like, an area of Western Turkey and modern day Western Turkey today. Now, there are different interpretations or beliefs about these churches for instance that um, these churches maybe represent you know the churches throughout history when, when we when we go through the letters to these churches I may have touched on this last week but they certainly were real churches and you know letters being sent there were there were real churches in those places I should say and when we look at, you know, the issues that are talked about, you know, they are real kind of practical and difficult, challenging issues that were happening with certain individuals and people involved and as well. And so it seems rather than, you know, so so on the one hand, there's a theory that it's kind of symbolic of, of the great church and churches through history and this that and the other. You know, I would say and, and many many scholars would also believe you know these are real churches with real issues and yet as well each of the the church's situations certainly do speak to us about difficulties we could get into challenges things that please God things that don't please you know Jesus is these are Jesus's own words so you know there's a real message in every letter to every one of us as individuals and churches so I hope some of that makes sense. But what what do you think about these seven churches, gents? Well, I've got I've got the map in my Bible, and yeah, it's like you say, it's kind of like Greece, kind of upwards. Rhodes is at the bottom, and then all the land above it is uh, got Ephesus, Smyrna, Thyatira, all of those in that kind of area. Patmos is almost out in the sea, opposite that big landmass where he's writing to. Like you say, it's um, a lot of the issues that we'll see with the churches. Are probably representative of, of a lot of a lot of the things that we well you know you have to deal with in church and we all see in churches but it's interesting that god's voice you know god's voice right at the start is 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 thunderous and it's like a well it's described as a trumpet there but it's also described as thunder and many waters like this loud authoritative voice um and he's he's about to speak into those those churches that are named yeah um with authority and with you know the voice uh, the voice that trumpets and thunders and is like a rushing water that rushes into to his churches to sort out you know all these different things so 
that that was a you know that was a, a good picture of here is god here here uh you know mm. we'll see where he's standing in relation to those lampstands in a minute you know it's 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 here i am i am your lord and this is what i've got to say to you this is how we're gonna you know, yes we we, we see don't we a, a little, in a few verses later on um we we well we're gonna see we've got the the seven golden lampstands and the we see later seven stars with seven churches sevens all these sevens and we know seven is the number of perfection completion there's there's sevens throughout this book in fact the, the book Absolutely. of revelation because yes. it is you know it's it, it's the complete story it's the final piece if you like in the story it's the completion it's representing god's um god's finishing god's perfection god's judgment god's purity all these things yeah, all the sevens Absolutely. Yes. and he's standing so in the midst isn't he? in the, he's standing in the midst of those seven lampstands i love that picture that he's right in the midst of it like they're almost encircling him but he's in the midst of of those uh of those churches yes absolutely he said um you know right, right at the beginning here you know the the, the it's, it's it's interesting because you know the apostle john is it, it, as we see from some accounts was one of the well regarded as one of the closest apostles to the lord jesus christ and when he hears that that the voice he doesn't recognize that that's the voice of the Lord, you know, and um, it's interesting. One of the comments that I was reading talking about how Christ is revealing himself to John here. He's like saying that this is no longer the same Christ that walked on the earth with the apostles. You know, this, this is now the, the resurrected Christ in his glory is being revealed to John. And uh, so he, he's being revealed to John and he, and he actually proclaims right at the beginning when in that, that very loud voice said that I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And uh, the comment I was reading that when he, when uh, he, when John heard these words, that he would have known from um, Old Testament scriptures that this was God that was speaking. But, but but yet at that point, he still doesn't know that this is Jesus that is speaking to him, but he knows that, that it's God. And uh, when you when you talk about the churches, what, what I was reading, and I'm not sure, what, I know Ben's got the map there, but the comment I was reading was saying that those churches, where they, they were kind of like positioned in, in a circular almost like in a kind of like a circle sort of thing. And he was saying that again, like you said, Pastor Vinny, it's 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 God's, um, that those, they were not the only churches that existed at that point in time, but that uh, it was it was it was like a sign, you know, that seven is the sign of completion. And, uh, you know, again, to, to the Jews, it would have been, they would have been familiar with all these things. So it, it wasn't as though those were the only churches that existed at that time, but God was just picking out those seven. And he was saying, no, this is the, if you like, this is the complete message that I need to get across to the whole church, all of all of the, um, like you said, the Jewish believers at that point in time. And it was interesting that in that comment that I was reading as well, was also saying that um, Paul wrote seven letters to seven churches as well. And that that was a, but like, I'm, I'm assuming oh, that yes. those were seven Gentile churches and yeah. that this is, that was another a sign of completion. So when you take those seven letters to the seven Gentile churches, the seven letters to the seven Jewish um uh, congregation as you'd like this is like God saying right this is the when you put it all together this is what I need to say to my church yes um I love that as you said Ben about you know he's he's walking among the the lampstands actually can I just say as well by the way it's the these seven golden lampstands the word lampstands been used but they're actually menorah you know, it was the, the, the menorah was the, the lampstand of the people of God and, and they were golden. 
These were the lampstands, always were, of the, the people of God, the Jewish people. Even though it says lampstands now, you know, you, you think of within the temple and the um, the tabernacle, you know, there were the, the golden lampstands, was the menorah with, I think, was it seven, uh, seven candlesticks, uh, seven holders there, you know, built from a single piece of gold, you know, they represented perfection they, they were the light and and we are when you think we are called the light to be the light of the world when you and this is why we're called that lampstand or menorah you know shining with the light of jesus they were in a shape of a tree you know which is the tree representing the tree of eternal life the branches were shaped like almond branches on this the jewish lampstands that they would have been familiar that they called the menorah there were almond branches, and almond was a sig symbol of authority. So it thinks of the authority that we're given, the power that we're given, and authority through Christ, uh, his authority. All these things are symbols, if you like, of um, what we have, what we've been given. And if we apply that to the amazing gift of being in the, the body of Christ today, the the, the lampstands, the menorah, the shining lights, you know, and, and interestingly, we've called our church Bright City Church, you know, a city on a hill shining. Let your light shine. You are the light of the world. So this is, again, this imagery of the lampstands. And, and we see in verse 20, the mystery of the seven stars that you saw and of the seven lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. So we know indeed it is a symbol of the churches. Yeah. And then someone like the son of man, as you're saying, this, this image of Jesus, like the son of man, dressed in a robe with a golden sash, hair like white wool, white as snow, eyes like blazing fire. This is imagery, and, and I said it uh, in, in either the introduction or last time we were on, that we, we do have to be familiar, and, and, and the, old, you know, the readers at that time would have been very familiar with the Torah and the Jewish scriptures, the prophets, where all this imagery comes from. And, you know, in Daniel, in Ezekiel, here's just a little, if we think of that, that I've just read there, now, it says here in Daniel, uh, this is Daniel 7, I believe, yeah. The Ancient of Days took his seat. This is Daniel 7, verse 9. His clothing was as white as snow. The hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire. Its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming down before him thousands upon thousands attended him 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him then in my vision I looked and there before me one like a son of man approaching with the clouds of heaven he approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence this seems this is the son coming before the father he was given authority glory and sovereign power all peoples nations and men of every language worshipped him so here we have the imagery don't we it's funny it's the imagery is the same as the ancient of days who is god the father as well what what do you make of this it's almost like a What's the what's the word I'm looking for? A conjoining of the 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 image of, of God the Father and God the Son. Any thoughts? Well, the Trinity, isn't it? It's that you know they're 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 one, but they're kind of separate 
personalities of, of one God. But yeah, the vision of the Son of Man, my goodness, wow. I remember reading that, you know, as a non-Christian and thinking, whoa, look at this, it's awesome. You know, Armageddon-like vision of the throne of God. Um, and like you say, the, the symbology of it is is striking, uh, especially from a Jewish perspective. There's so there's so much. I mean, the, the majority of my prep for tonight was looking at, you know, why why are they describing him so? You know, what what is all this? So, you know, you can just go down the whole thing, like the white hair, you know, not elderly or decrepit. It's, it's white, like pure purity and wisdom, like the eyes of fire, that those penetrating eyes of fire that are omnipresent, that are all seeing. And certainly, you know, f for us in Psalm 139, you know, that's a picture of that all yes seeing knowledge yes. of god and the eyes of fire you know a lot of this points mm. towards the the judgments that are coming like the eyes of fire the penetration the bronze feet now that was really interesting oh. bronze feet i'm like what is what is with the bronze you know and the different metals and and all of this kind of stuff and it was i i, I find these things they're fascinating we go back to the temple all of the stuff outside of the Holy of Holies was made of bronze, like the altar, the brazen laver, all of the utensils. There was bronze, bronze everywhere. And when you read how the temple was looted later on and how they took their countless items of bronze is amazing. But all of that was outside of the Holy of Holies and inside the Holy of Holies, it was all gold. You know, the Ark and all of that, it was gold, yeah. gold, gold, gold. And, you know, bronze is a kind of symbolic of judgment. And because the bronze laver is where the, uh, the bronze uh, altar is where the, the blood is spilt, the Old Testament sacrifices, um, the brazen laver of, of water, that's where, you know, the, the priests are cleansed before they're allowed to go into that golden place of royalty and um, kingship and glory you know the bronze is the judgment and dealing with with the sin and the gold is 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 the holiness the glory the kingship of god and you know, go on the voice we've said about the voice of god power and authority you know thunder trumpets many waters um and an interesting thing in the commentary was contrast that voice of judgment with the voice of god in the song of songs which is the voice, the voice of love, you know, the voice that's calling to his beloved um, in a tender and um, loving way. Whereas here we have this, this trumpet, this thunder that speaks of, of the judgments that, that are to come. Um, and then we get onto what we was uh, having a bit of discussion about before, about the seven, the seven stars and the seven lamps and all that kind of stuff. But the face that shines like the sun, again, the veil is, is, is kind of moved back as it was in the transfiguration in uh, it was in Matthew wasn't it when they they saw Jesus stand with Moses and Elijah and time and space were peeled back and they saw what what John is seeing now that face that shone like the the sun at its full strength which is what John is seeing now um in his his revelation vision and all all of that stuff you know is is amazing you know this this is the lord this is this mm. is Jesus as he was before he you know humbled himself and became like a man to redeem us this is this is the real jesus that he's seeing and it, it's just um, it's all it's an awesome vision i just looking at like whoa whoa you know it's just yeah you, you, you yeah. can just so, imagine like your hair blowing back and you're being yeah. thrown back in your seat it's just 
So Ben, you you say there, this is the Jesus before he humbled himself and came to. Is it the Jesus that after the resurrection as well? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's what he was yeah. and what he returned to. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, it's not a, not a trick question. I'm just, no. uh, <laughs> you know, for anyone who might think, well, yeah, after that. It's true. And this is Jesus, isn't it? And when we sort of, you know, we only have one kind of picture of Jesus, mild and lowly we hear in the, in the hymns, or the Christmas thing or whatever. It's, you know, if we just get one small sliver, we miss the big picture of, and we can, you know, absolutely be kind of lost in, in that understanding of who he is and, and not live our lives in that reverent fear of the living God, fear in a good sense of, of worship. And yeah, so it's very important, like you say, Ben. Excuse me for kind of putting this out there again, but there's one th another thing with the symbology of it is, you know, his, his clothes, it describes his clothes. And I thought that was really interesting. You know, what, what colour do you think the robe was that Jesus was wearing? Because I, I've always, as many of us have, of, 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 you know, of course it's white. It's a white robe of purity and righteousness. But if you, if you look at kind of the what Jesus is representing, he's like, he's, he's like the king priest, the priest king in, yes, in this sense. Yes. What he's wearing is the humble garb of a priest like the priest when when they went about their business was breastplate ephod robes and the robes were blue actually blue, wow. checkered coat and a turban and a sash but when the high priest went before the the holy of holies he he just wore the the sash and the turban and the linen coat to kind of humble himself before god and yet he was jesus just wearing the robe of blue well Possibly, you know, it's, I'm just yeah. saying that the high priest wore a robe of blue and uh, the golden sash, the, the priestly robe and the sash of royalty, which which is pictured here with Jesus. And th there's so much more to look at with that. I mean, I was, you know, you, you hear about the robe being dipped in blood. A blue robe dipped in blood becomes red blood, becomes purple, which again is royal. And you could dive into the rabbit hole of biblical colours and numbers <laughs> and all that kind of stuff but i just thought it was interesting that you know you can look at the the how god was so specific about the dress and the symbology of the priests and here is jesus our priest king maybe it was a blue priestly robe with a the golden sash just as the priest priests wore it was an interesting little aside that that's yeah. uh, to do with what he was wearing and what it represented Absolutely, and just 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 in agreeing with what Ben is saying, you know, when when and what you've said earlier, Pastor, in about how the the availability of, of the Lord, you can know as much about Him as you want to, and you, you can see, obviously, Ben has spent a lot of time, you know, reading up on this, delving into it, and and, and I guess we just need to keep in mind, and so as we go through the Book of Revelation, that this is all about revealing Christ, about revealing who He is, yes. and not as we some like you rightly said, not as seeing Him. In those some of those pictures that we see of Christ, you know, with the with the twelve, um, you know, disciples in the Last Supper, that's not who he is now. That who he was then, and that's why I guess at the beginning the, the Lord gives an instruction to um, John when he says to him in, in verse eleven, he says, "What you see," he says, "write in a book." He says that in so what you are seeing now, this is who I am now, 
and that it was almost just like the church, my people, they need to know and maybe they need to know me as I am now. And all of those things that, um, you know, John is writing down, they all have a significance, they all have a meaning. And we have to spend the time as individuals to go and read up, find commentaries, read to find all of these things. They all have a meaning. You know, the, the commentary that I was reading was even talking about the robe that he says, even the description that it went down to his feet, that it was people of um, authority, people of influence who wore robes that went down to their feet because right. they, they didn't do a lot of menial work. So that was yes. why they had those long robes. Not and even that. the golden sash, again, he was he's mentioned the golden sash speaks of his priesthood. So all of, of these things are an indication of, of, the, of the relationship of... Um, you know that the Lord to His people. You mentioned earlier about Him being in the midst of the of the lampstands, and He also says that in, in verse sixteen, He says, "In His right hand He holds the seven stars." And so, whether we, I know that there is some uh, different views on what those seven stars actually represent, but the commentary I was reading was saying, whichever view you want to take, the fact that they're in His right hand, His hand of authority. You know, the hand of safety, his hand of protection, and, if, and as we go through the churches, we'll see that those churches were not perfect. They had their, they had issues with them, but yet they were still in the hand of the Lord. And it uh, almost reminds you of what he said earlier when he was alive, when he says that, oh, "Father, all of those that you have given to me, none of them have been lost." And uh, that when we're when we're in God's hand, you know, no one can uh, snatch us out, out out of His hand. And he's, he's saying that even about the churches as they existed at that time. Going back to that, you know, walking among the lampstands. Wow. You know, it's true. And, and I think, you know, even in our, our gatherings and our worship time, we often kind of um, allude to the fact that Jesus is present and walking amongst us is amongst us. You know, we go by his promises that when, when you gather, I am there in your midst. He's in the midst of the lampstand gathering. He's in the midst of all that he's present, isn't he? And we can be sure and certain that he's present when we gather. And that that is just awesome. And here we've got a, a real picture of it and a reminder again. Truly, I'm, I'm present there. Look at me as I am. Powerful, mighty in glory. Rushing waters is my voice. You know, my eyes. And I'm present. I'm here with you. I bring that authority and power and strength to you. So, yeah, it, and, and we've got no no doubt about who this is. He says, I was dead and behold, I'm alive forever and ever. I'm the living one. I hold the keys of death and Hades. Again, we we have there that reminder of the authority. And he said, didn't he, to Peter, I hold the keys of life and death of death and Hades. And, and I'm giving you authority. Now go, you know, and uh, build my church. And so we're reminded again of that authority that we're given and that responsibility and that awesome. Yeah, awesome. You know, church is not a game. This 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 life is not a game. We're reminded here it's it's real stuff as we look into the lives of these churches are examined. You know, our lives will be examined, are being examined. As Ben said, Psalm 139, the eyes are piercing eyes that see everything. You know, we we it's kind of a real it's a wake up, isn't it? To, you know, there, there's the, to some of these almost heretical teachings of you know ah you know you've when you're in you know relax you know and and sort of this um, what's the word about grace you know it's just um, too cheap. much grace free grace what cheap <laughs> cheap grace cheap. thanks Ben yeah this kind of cheap grace idea which yes God is grace 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 but not cheap grace. And, and, you know, we, 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 we hold it in tension with our reverend worship of him. 
And then we go on verse 19, right down there for, as you were saying, Pastor Akin, it's repeated again from verse 11. He says, write on a scroll. He says again, write it. Therefore, what you've seen, what is now and what will take place. So we're going to have a, a revelation of what will take place in these days. I know the um, the kind of countdown we have is quite, you know, is dramatic. Some would say cheesy dramatic. And yet the reality <laughs> is that what is going to be revealed in this book is very, you know, is dramatic, is very real. He's going to reveal, even after the letters and in the letters, after that, what is going to take place. Again, you've oh. mentioned already, Pastor Akin, about, you know, the, the golden lampstands and the seven stars and the seven lampstands in my right hand. Again, he's he's there uh, saying, well, this is what the mystery is. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. And I know Ben and I and the three of us know we're having a discussion just before the start of the program about, you know, well, are, is this referring to real angels? And that word can mean yeah, messengers. Is this something else or, or is it angels? Ben, do you want to just pick up on that, on what you've sort of come across in you know, different commentaries? Yeah, it's interesting because uh, some scholars would say that the uh, angels of the churches, that word is malach in uh, the Hebrew, and it, it refers in, in the Old Testament to... Um, Malachi and Haggai, Haggai, who are who are called messengers of God, and it's the it's the same word that is translated into the Greek angel angelos, which is you know it sounds like angel, but it also means messengers as well. So it could be that where is it saying you know uh, the messages for the angels to carry to the churches like heavenly angels? It could also be that these message, the message from the throne of God is to the pastors and the elders of the churches in the view of some some scholars. And, you know, we do it speaks in the word. I haven't got the scriptures, but it speaks of us as having angels as guardians around us and guardians over um, principalities and powers over different areas. You know, and that it's possible to to interpret it that way, that, it's, you know, the angels are communicating it. But there, there's just two two opinions which you know i think is important to appreciate that uh, you know there it could be that these messages and the seven stars that he's holding are, are the pastors and the elders of the churches for the message interesting as well um we kind of skipped over it but he, oh, matt redman the worship leader matt redman he one of his reflections was that that hand that right hand that god holds those stars in and he's looking at stars as sons you know these mighty bodies heavenly bodies of stars blazing in all their glory with that right hand when john falls at his feet dead because he's seen this vision of god um, as though he was dead jesus takes his right hand that held the stars and puts it on his shoulder and says do not be afraid and it's the majesty and the mercy of god whatever the symbology means that you know i thought it was a really good uh, reflection there but the, the the stars the elders the the angels whoever he's holding in his hand that that message that god has he's sending out to to the churches whether it's through angelic beings whether it's through pastors the, uh, and elders the message has gone out from his mighty hand you know, to the churches. Thanks, Ben. Great. Uh, Pastor Akin, I'll let you come in in a second. 
I would say as well, and I was saying this earlier, when we, we look at presence of angels throughout scripture, and, and I mean, we heard, even I, I read about that, that description of the Lord, and, and it says thousands upon thousands were in God's presence, myriad upon myriad. And we read in Hebrews, it says, are not angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? That's that's in the New Testament, by the way. So angels are sent by God to minister, serve, help those who inherit salvation. Who's that? That's you and I. So so certainly they are sent. And it says in Psalm 91, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. We can see angels are very much, you know, that is their job. They, 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 they are present. They, you know, if we talk even about the fallen angels, the demons are doing this and doing that and, you know, trying to pull us here, pull us there and, and kind of get in the way. How much more are God's angels and we he see them throughout the old testament ascent for daniel here and to stop the mouths of the lions there and to command these armies and, and destroy those armies there and in the new testament they sent peter's in jail and the angels sent and he comes and he breaks the chains and he opens the prison door that's or, or an angel sent come over here paul and you're you know so i i would say that angels are are a, a very reality a reality what we don't do by the way friends though is we don't communicate with angels we don't sort of say all right i know there's an angel there sent to to help me are you there you know reveal yourself and and can it can you do this for me can it no we we're, we pray only to god but we could ask him you know to to send your angels here there and everywhere but I, I like the idea that there is, in fact, an angel even allocated to if there's angels allocated to these churches, why can't there be an angel allocated for Bright City Church? Well, does that mean we start, you know, praying to the angel of Bright City Church? No, I, I like maybe to be maybe you're the angel. Maybe you're the angel <laughs> of Bright City. <laughs> and, and, and yes, in your in, for the in, messenger. Yeah. And and I cannot be the angel of Bright City Church. Let's just face it. I mean, look at me. So it's. <laughs> uh, bless you guys. Hey, we made it to the end of chapter one. Pastor Akin, I'm going to give you the yes. final word. So. Final word. I, I think I think the final word will take we'll take it from the word, Pastor. And this is I think we'll, we'll just Lovely. keep to, to put this at the forefront of our minds all the time when we, when we come to this book. Verse three. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is near. Amen. That's a great Amen. way to finish. Let's keep the words that are written in it, friends. Have a fantastic week. Thank you for joining us. You are blessed. We know that you're blessed because you've been listening to Revelation and it says you're blessed. So have Amen. a fantastic week. Thanks, Pastor Akin. Ben. It's so much better when we're all together. So, yeah, really appreciate you being with us. God bless everyone. God bless. Good night. Bye. 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 Bye.